Girlfriends, episode number 328. What does a mom's prayer life look like with Rachel Balducci? Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, my very good friend Rachel Balducci is joining us to talk about her new book coming out. Can't wait to share this conversation with you. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriend, thank you for being here. How fun we get to connect right here on the podcast each week. Thank you for showing up. If you're a first time visitor, I want to give you a special welcome. Thank you for checking out Girlfriends. I hope you're going to like what we share here and want to become a regular part of our community. For those of you who are sometimes or longtime listeners, thank you too. I am so grateful for your presence here on the podcast. So we're going to be talking with my good friend, Rachel Balducci, who I was just blessed a couple of weeks ago to be in Boston with her recording The Gist, which is the television show, the women's talk show that we do together on Catholic TV. We just completed our 10th season. That's insane. Like, because we just started doing this project together. (laughs) But apparently not, because we have 10 seasons. But anyway, I always love the opportunity to be there. And we record an entire season inside of one week in Boston. In fact, this time it was in four days. So it's Rachel Balducci, Carolee McGrath, and I who are the co-hosts on the show. And it's it's a ton of fun. It's changed a lot through the years, but I've learned so much doing it. It's been a ton of fun doing. You can check that out at catholictv.com. You can get all of the episodes for free. You can also, you know, uh, figure out a way to get it on your Roku. They have an app that you can use, all kinds of ways that you can watch the show. Just a shout out for that because Rachel's on this week's show. But part of what I discussed with Rachel is talking about a mom's prayer life and the ways that it changes and the ways that God is always calling us into deeper relationship with Him. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we get started here is because I hear from people all the time that are, you know, maybe you're struggling to find time to pray. Maybe you're finding time to pray, but you're not sure how to begin. I hear from people all the time about that and they feel awkward about it or they feel like other people are doing it differently and they're doing it better and I'm not sure how to do it. And I just want to give you a note of encouragement right here at the start of this episode that there's no one right way to have a prayer life, whether you're a mom or not. And the important thing is to get started doing it. And it's something that is, you can become more of a habit and that you can get better at doing the more you spend time doing it. When I had the opportunity last year to be on a few videos with Father Mark Mary, um, one of the CFRs who's on the Ascension Presents channel on YouTube, he had me on a couple of shows and one where we were talking about making a habit of daily prayer. I shared with him this story of oh, once years ago, I had a friend who was talking to me about running and I've you know pretty regularly made running a part of my life and a real habit that I stick to. I really enjoy it. And she was talking to me about it and she was, you know, saying, oh, I wish I would, I could be a runner, you know, but just whenever I do it, that I just get so out of breath. And I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> that's why you're not running? And of course, you know, I tried to explain to her, like, that's that's part of the deal. Like, you you get out of breath, but that doesn't mean you you can't do it. It's uncomfortable, But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And that's part of what you're doing is getting out of breath in that way. And I think that that 
concept is as funny as it was like thinking about her perspective on that, that that's sometimes what we bring to our spiritual lives. We bring to our prayer lives, especially as moms, especially as busy women that we feel like, oh, it's uncomfortable or I don't, you know, don't naturally feel like I'm, I'm good at this thing. And so it must not be for me. And yet that discomfort is part of it. That's part of it. <laughs> That's part of the experience. And if you push through, you will gain strength in that area. You will become better at it. It will feel more natural. You will reap more benefits from it. So if you feel out of breath, if you get uncomfortable when you're trying to pray, whether it's because you've got a bunch of little kids interrupting you or because you've got a busy work schedule or because you're just not comfortable in silence, know that that's part of the deal. That discomfort, it's a discipline. And the more you show up in prayer, the more you're going to reap the benefits of it, the, the better you're going to get at it. Not that it's some performance you're putting on for God. It's about showing up and entering into relationship with God. So don't, don't feel like I'm not good at it, so I must not be meant for this thing. You are meant for this thing. You have a human soul. You have what you need. You have what requires this, actually. You have what you need to enter into a prayer relationship with your Creator. You're made for it. You're built for it. And so I just wanted to give you that little note of encouragement at the start of today's show. Rachel shares so beautifully about these kinds of themes and more. So take a listen. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. My special guest here today on Girlfriends is my good friend, Rachel Balducci. Rachel is a wife and a mother of six. She's a writer, speaker, and co-host of The Gist on Catholic TV. Hey, I heard of that show. And she teaches journalism at Augusta University. She's the author of How Do You Tuck in a Superhero? Make My Life Simple and Overcommitted. She's been a columnist for the Southern Cross for 15 years, served as a reporter for the Augusta Chronicle, and taught middle school and high school English. Today, she's here to talk with us about her newest book available from Ave Maria Press called No Such Thing as Ordinary, Unlocking Your Extraordinary Life Through Everyday Encounters with Jesus. Hey, Rachel, welcome back to Girlfriends. Hey, Danielle. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tons of fun. So for people who don't know, we're on the gist together. Rachel is one of my co-hosts there, along with Carolee McGrath. And we have a blast recording that show. So it's kind of fun to have a different show for us to be on here with Girlfriends. And I'm super excited to talk with you about this book because we are IRL friends. And so people can can know that we talked about this book going way back when you were, you know, first deciding whether or not you should write it and um, who you would be writing it for and what take you would you would be taking. And so tell us a little bit about that process. Like, why did you write this book? And why is it important right now? Yeah. So thanks again for having me here. And yeah, it just IRL friends. It's so great. We <laughs> have been having this conversation for several years because you and I are just in that similar season of uh, reemerging back into doing things outside of babies and toddlers, right. and, you know, even really like, you know, just little kids. And there's such this sense, I think, of feeling when your kids are little, possibly feeling like life is passing you by or, you know, really knowing that you're doing an important work. Right. But then as your kids get bigger, you have to shift gears. Okay. So there's a couple of ways that you can go through these different uh, seasons, as we like to say on the show, we use that <laughs> word a lot in life, you know. Um, and my personal experience was I was a stay at home mama for a lot of years. 
and I, I really loved it. Um, and I don't know that I had a lot of time to notice that life was passing me by because I was so busy, mm-hmm. but, you know, I started to have, you know, this awareness though, of other things going on in the world around me, you know, like you start to get this sense of like, knowing you have gifts that the Lord has given you, you have abilities, you have things you want to do. Um, and even if motherhood fills all those needs for a while, eventually that's going to shift. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was sort of making just these connections between who God made me to be and the season of life I was in. And also having this feeling deep within me that, you know, I had a great sense of purpose and mission in my life. Mm-hmm. And yet here I was a woman, um, not even with a bunch of little kids anymore, but like some kids in ele- you know, maybe like preschool and elementary and then bigger kids. And, and I felt like I was going in a million different directions. I had some sense of something within me. Um, and, and yet the reality was whatever grand, great thing I thought I wanted to do in that time was totally eclipsed by the reality of carpools and making lunches <laughs> and, and wanting, you know, wanting to really care for my people. Mm-hmm. And I, and I connected these dots right around the time that I was hearing from other popular voices. This is not a bad statement, but I think it's a dangerous statement if we don't keep it in check, which is that you were made for something grand Mm -hmm. and your job was to go find that. Right. And I mean, there's even like an excellent, uh, you know, there's lots of great saints that tell, talk about this, this feeling we all have within us. And so for me, I started wanting to really like uh, explore that feeling, but as somebody who was essentially cemented to my house, like I wasn't in a position to create a rock band and go on tour or, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, but I knew that God had something really special going on with me. And mm-hmm. so that's where that book kind of came from, was exploring, okay, you know, God, you gave me these abilities. You gave me these desires to do something great with this life that you've given me, to be who you created me to be so I could set the world on fire, as, as that Catherine of Siena says. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you gave me the reality of my life, which most of us have. And how do we sort of, you know, uh, reconcile the two. Mm-hmm. How can I, you know, have all these gifts and abilities and desires and wanting to do something fabulous and have this actual life you've given me with the people that I love so much that I want them to be a priority. Right. And so that's where this book came from is really like the thing going on with me and then recognizing that this is something happening. And I don't think it's just with women, but I, you know, I'm, I did write the book with women in mind. Sure. But I think every single human has this sense of um, wanting to do a really excellent thing with their life and then getting to this point where the reality of life settles in. Because, you know, I had one year um, where I, before I wrote this book several Mm -hmm. years ago, and I happened to be on a lot of people's radars to speak at conferences and retreats. And I had a one year where I traveled quite a bit. Mm -hmm. The reality of that is, you still get home. You're still doing the laundry. You're still wiping down the countertops, you know, you're still. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like I wanted to really think through and talk about what is this great sense, this sense of like greatness that we all have and what do we do with it? Right. Where do we go with these feelings? Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you, you referenced like the, in, even in Catholic culture, there's this idea, this notion, like you're made for greatness, right? But that, and, and that can be a real distraction sometimes, the the way that we feel like, oh, well, greatness, that means this glamorous life that I have pictured, or I, I admire this person who's doing all of these things, these 
it's great work evangelizations or, you know, writing books or speaking or whatever. And that can be a real distraction too, because the way that God calls us to holiness isn't always a flashy thing. And I mean, sometimes it is, but it isn't always. And sometimes, and this is what I liked about what you shared in the book, sometimes it's a lot more just inner working and, you know, stuff that's going on in our relationship in a very personal way with Jesus and encountering him in a new way, that that's the greatness that he has planned for us. And, and you know, you, you mentioned that, like, we're at a stage in our lives now where we're able to, like, take a breath, maybe, and look around us a little bit and be like, what now? And um, so I think a lot of women can relate to that. They can they can find themselves in that place, or even the ones who are still, you know, with lots of little kids at home, still, still chasing them. I hear from them every day. And they're asking like, what I meant to do something else, you know, and how do I fit this in? And there's that kind of like feeling pulled in different directions, which can be so exhausting. But I love that your book just kind of focuses on our relationship with Jesus. And like, then find out right there, like what it might be, he's calling on you to travel all over the world. But that's where you're going to find that out, right? Exactly. It's, it's where you're going to know what you're supposed to do. But more importantly, it's going to find it's where you're going to find out who you are. And mm-hmm. so that's why I love that we got that word identity on the front of the book, because yeah. this, this idea of our identity, and if you're, our identity cannot come from, you know, what we do, what we're known for, uh, and even the season of life we're in, because like, okay, to me, the most noble thing I'm doing at this point in my life is being a mama. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten, 10 years from now, that's going to look totally different than it does right now. 10 years ago, it looked totally different. If right. my whole identity is wrapped up in that, I'm going to really struggle when this season is over. Now, I will mm-hmm. probably celebrate the last baby graduating and leaving, but also mourn the end of that season. And that's sure. okay, too. But what I'm talking about is the danger. And like, even if we go after our biggest hopes and dreams outside of being a mom, which kind of mm-hmm. annoys me sometimes because, you know, I don't even want to go into the conversation, but let's just admit that it exists, that somehow there are two kinds of people in this world, the people who feel fulfilled by motherhood and the people who don't, you know, right. Right. <laughs> like that's so <laughs> such an oversimplification, mm-hmm. but that no matter what I do or say, or what I'm known for, that's not the core of my identity. Like the truth mm-hmm. of my identity is that I am known and loved by my creator and that he has something special. He wants to do f- with me. But it's like mm-hmm. deep inside of me. It's like, right. you know, deep in the in the deep recesses of my soul is where the Lord wants to go with me and speak truth to me that I can only hear in those most quiet places of, of right. that, you know, in the silence. And that was a big stepping off point for me, too, is somehow I had this moment of grace to start um, really going after quiet prayer. For me, this, the silence was Mm -hmm. such a life changer for me. And I started really realizing I had a lot of noise in my life. I had a lot of concerns and questions and trying to figure things out. And, and I really didn't set out to solve all of that. But in the meantime, I'm like, but I really want to be a happy, joyful person, not even happy, joyful. And so, you know, somehow I just like, I don't know if my spiritual director told me this or where I came across this, but I decided every single day prayer would be my priority. Mm -hmm. That didn't mean it was the first thing I did, but it was like every day I knew that at some point today I would sit in silence for 20 minutes. And I mean, I even set a timer 
And I would really just ask God to speak truth to me. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. sit down with a whole bunch of books or scripture. Those are all good things too. But this was a sacred, quiet time. And God just would show up and started just doing this work of like revealing to me who I am um, outside of any of the things the world tells us are important. You know, mm-hmm. like God can do so much for us deep in that that those quiet places of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I love that you share that because that's kind of a countercultural idea, right? The idea of sitting in silence. Like <laughs> our, our world doesn't really get that. It doesn't celebrate that. But um, th- it's so vitally important. And and yet I know there, there are moms who are listening right now who are like, oh, that's a dream. You know, yeah. there's no, I'm not finding 20 minutes of silence in my day. It's just not happening. But I, I do want to encourage people that, that that's truly where it is though. And I, and I like that you shared that it can be as simple as that, just showing up up and sitting in God's presence. Because I think sometimes we make it more complicated than it needs to be. And I know for me, like, I'll look back to when I was like younger, and I was like a real struggling mom and like, I'm going to do all the things right. I'm going to have this perfect spiritual life. And, and it became like my prayer time was something else that I was going to accomplish. You know, I was going to do all the right things and do this program and check off all these boxes. And wow, was I going to impress God with what I accomplished, you know, but so it's so naive. And, and it's also depleting right? Because it's just adding another to do to your list. Whereas spending time in rest with God is, you know, that's what he invites us to do. And I think that really was a turning point for me. And I, I couldn't put a a date on when I realized this thing, but it was not that long ago, you know, that I feel like it's only been at this, you know, older stage in my motherhood where I've come to realize that, I don't have to do it. Like, this is something for me. Like, this is a gift for me. This isn't something I'm showing up and doing for God, right? Yeah. And I think it's so easy for us, you know, like for the longest time, I had a real like uh, uh, love-hate relationship with the Martha and Mary story because it was Mm -hmm. like Jesus came and Mary sat at his feet and Martha did all the work and she was scurrying around. And I was like, you know, you want us to be like Mary, you know, the sister who sat, but I have all this work to do. And I've got to get laundry done and blah, blah, blah. And it's like the, Jesus meets us where we at, are at in the day, day-to-day of our lives. And, mm-hmm. um, and I love that. You know, I talk about the woman at the well a lot in this book. because. But what I love about that is not that Jesus met her and her life was a prayer, which for a long time, I mean, that is true. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. Like, you know, we, we offer up all the things we do to Jesus and he uses them for something. But right. at the same time, Jesus meeting the woman at the well is, Jesus wants to come to each one of us in a profound way in this season of our life, in the midst of all we have going on, not in the sense of like, if you wait until you're in a better season, your prayer life (laughs) can look better. You know, like you can say all the, you know, all the rosaries every day and go to mass and go to adoration. Like, don't, like you're saying, don't trip yourself up thinking that the perfect time is just around the bend for doing the thing that will make you feel more fulfilled, even if it is in prayer. You know, and I'll Mm -hmm. tell you, that was the big thing that kind of helped me see that whatever God wanted to do for me was going to be able to happen in the here and now, because there was this idea in my head that I wanted to do great things for Jesus. I wanted to use my gifts for Jesus, but instead of it being something that could somehow apply to this moment right now, it all felt like it had to wait until I was someone who could leave my family for extended periods of time, could go on the road, you know? And it's like, that's not how God works. And, I, and I'm and i finding that Jesus can do so much in ways that our human brain can't comprehend. And he mm-hmm. really can, really can knock our socks off, you know? Right. And I do think that 
Um, it's easy when you're a young mama to look at all that you have to do. And I totally remember feeling this way. I can't sit down to spend time in prayer um, because I have laundry to fold. And when my kids are napping, you know, that's when I actually can unload the dishwasher without someone impaling themselves on a knife right. or whatever, you know, like all these things. So, and yet I will highly just encourage anyone listening to us now to not say, well, you know, Danielle and Rachel are, you know, they're in a season where it's so much easier. We're as busy as we've ever been. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think though, you have to fight for these moments of silence so that if you're thinking, I, there's no way I can sit that much time, you know, spend that much time in silence. Start mm -hmm. with five, five minutes or, and this right. is what I did when like years ago when I knew I needed daily prayer in my life, but I couldn't even see where to make it happen is I would just wake up in the morning and ask the Lord to show me one to get, to, I would pray for the desire to pray because I knew I needed that deeper prayer in my life, but I didn't really have a desire, but I yeah, wanted, you're exhausted. I wanted, yeah, you're exhausted. <laughs> I wanted the fruit of it, but I didn't want to do it. That's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. Lord, show me, give me the desire to pray and then show me today where I could spend a pocket of time with you. And he will open that up. And I, mm -hmm. I started to see times when all of a sudden it was quiet in the house and I was peaceful sitting for a moment. Right. You know, and then what happens is you get to this point where the fruit of prayer is so transformative. You, you can't not do it, you, mm -hmm. you know, like, and it's not just because like, you know, I just want to float on this cloud all the time. God is so good. But, but I, you start to see all that God does in, you know, healing past wounds, like, you know, like showing Jesus the places in your heart that feel trampled, <laughs> that mm -hmm. feel broken sure. and not even showing up, having a plan for it. You know, Lord, I, my feelings were hurt and I'd like the following people to be smote by you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Can you please retaliate to the following people? I want to be in that prayer circle. <laughs> but really, like, Lord, I, you know, there's this part of me that feels pinchy or icky, and I don't know what yeah. to do with it. And starting to get that trust relationship with the Lord, um, and he can do so much for us. And then you start to just trust him and see this is somebody I want to spend time with because he's changing my life, you know? Right, right. I think it, I think that's the real shift that kind of I had to go through with my mindset. Like, this is something that benefits me. I'm made for it. It doesn't feel like you're made for it. If you're, you know, you're sitting down for your first few minutes of silence and you can't, you know, rein in your monkey brain that's going yeah. in a hundred directions. But, and if that's you, like, you are not alone in that. And that yes. is perfectly okay. And God knows exactly where you are. But I, you know, I always try to remind myself, because I, I hear people say that all the time, like, oh, I just get so distracted. And like, and then, you know, moving on, I can't do that thing. I just get so distracted. You yes. know? But like, no, no, don't stop there. You know, I get so distracted. Yes. So pull your mind back. And it's something you can get better at doing. And like you said, you begin to see the fruit in other areas of your life. It becomes something that you you can't not do. Uh, it just, you know, I, I always think of the words of um, St. Paul, where he, he says, you know, pray without ceasing. And I used to read that and be like, well, surely he is exaggerating for dramatic effect here. You know, like, that's not happening. Like, nobody's doing that. And yet I can begin to see where you can't not pray. Like, yeah. once you, once that becomes a relationship, the core relationship in your life, it affects how you experience everything and how you communicate about everything. And you're inviting God into every corner of your life and every experience that you ever have. And ultimately, that's the goal to, to you know, ultimately be experiencing your life in communion with God in that way. 
And I love that your book kind of walks us through, you know, in in a very real way, because this is what I love about your writing, right? You you share a lot of the the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, is there anything in this book that as it's as it's hitting people and as as readers are, are getting it into their hot little hands, are are you like, oh gosh, now everybody's gonna read that thing? Are you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's funny. I wrote a lot of this book in my office on campus and I would get up on Saturday mornings and a lot of times I would just get up and get dressed and sneak out. So I'm like, did mm-hmm. the shower, I'm in there looking like, you know, writing <laughs> is, as you know, not that glamorous. Like, I'm in there like <laughs> Not <that>. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I was writing about this one part about wounds and transformation. And I got to this part where, um, and I'm going to probably get choked up telling you about it. I got to the part with the story that started to change everything for me. Like I talk in the book a lot about for a lot of my life, I have dealt with rejection, like, and, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even aware, aware of it. Um, but that has always been my go-to em- reaction or emotion, like, and not even in a way like, um, you can't fire me. I quit. Like, of, of course they wouldn't pick me. Um, why would you pick me for that? You know, just sad stuff. Yeah. Um, that is, um, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, kind of the more I spent this time in, in quiet prayer with the Lord, listening and not even just opening myself up, not showing mm-hmm. up with a plan. You know, sometimes prayer looks like, Hey, I'm here. Here, here are my five things for us to talk about for you to fix in the following way. You know, that's what we <laughs> do with Jesus. Um, and so started trying to, you know, kind of recognizing some patterns like the Lord, he really will just show us things, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started to really recognize that I had this thing, right? So I get to the part in the book where, um, I, the story of what happened to me in prayer, where this painful, painful memory of being a small child and getting rejected in a really bad way Mm. was revealed to be like sort of the core of what I had going on. And I, I had no plans to write that in the book because, gross, you know, like, it's really, <laughs> don't want to go there. Right. And gross, just in the sense of like raw emotions, like it's sure. not even anything that's like, and this is what I, this is ultimately why I decided to include the story though, because it's not even a story that would be shocking to your system, to your sense. It's like, why, why didn't you tell me you're about to tell me this horrible thing? Right. It's really such a simple, common event that happens to so many little girls you know, of other people being invited and you not being invited, but how it all unfolded for me um, was like so impactful in a bad way, ultimately. And then Mm -hmm. what Jesus did in the midst of me going to that memory and asking him to sort of speak truth to me. um, And I don't want to spoil it because um, like it was so real and it was so not what my human mind would have come up with, you know, like right. the way God took that painful memory and turned it into something beautiful. It mm-hmm. had to me, it had to be shared. But the minute I wrote it, I was like, I can't believe that I'm going to share this <laughs> with the readers. You know, because it's oh, really yeah. like, it's really uh, like kind of raw in that regard. And so, right. you know, um, you know, that I love that you asked that question because that's just like, speaking from the heart of a writer like you put yeah. the stuff in there and then you're like oh god I... oh. and now people <laughs> are gonna go. read it yeah i know yeah. it does leave you vulnerable and when you're yeah. sharing in a real way i mean that's the kind of writing that people really um relate to though because if you're writing in a way that doesn't leave you vulnerable i mean 
who cares? Like, you know, you're not going to say anything meaningful or valuable. But I love that you share that story, especially because I think that speaks right to the core wound that so many women have this idea of not belonging or of being uninvited, you know, not included or on the outside in some way and feeling like you're the only one that has that experience, you know, and, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is you're dealing with, whether it's something, you know, a distant memory from your childhood or an ongoing pain that Jesus knows about it and he cares about it. I think ultimately that's what's so mind-blowing for us sometimes is this notion that our God is a personal God who who knows you inside and out and wants you to give yourself completely to him in this deeply intimate and personal way. And we, we, you know, we have all of these kinds of defenses built up because of that, you know, discomfort of the vulnerability. But I, I love that you share that story and other ones that whether they leave you vulnerable or not, I think they're ultimately what makes this book such a, such an important contribution and something that people are going to really relate to. Awesome. Thanks so much, Danielle. And yeah, I love that idea of, you know, the identity, what you're saying about Jesus, like healing those wounds. Like um, the more we spend time hearing the truth of who we are outside of what the world tells us, we no Mm -hmm. longer are the person who was rejected when we were eight or whose parents got divorced when we were 10 or I mean, whatever, that's not my story, but whatever anybody's story is, sometimes we become the wounds that we've experienced and that becomes our identity um, and God says he doesn't want us to live at that level, you know, like right. in, in the way he met the woman at the well and he knew her and he knew her past sins and he saw past all of that, you know, mm-hmm. and in that in that encounter with Jesus at the well, she was transformed and she mm-hmm. became who God created her to be. And I just get so excited that every single one of us has that same opportunity and Jesus waiting there for us, wanting to do all this good work in our lives. Yeah, what what a beautiful gift. And that's, a, that's the inspiring message and theme that is inside of this newest book. My guest is Rachel Balducci. Her newest book is No Such Thing as Ordinary, Unlocking Your Extraordinary Life Through Everyday Encounters with Jesus. One last question, Rachel. Um, whenever a, a wins book comes out, women are asking, is there a companion journal? Is there a way I can do a study group with my girlfriends? Can I bring this to my women's group? Do you have any resources like that or plans to produce any? I absolutely have plans to produce it. So the timing of this is so great because I was just speaking with the Ave Maria team yesterday and talking about how um, I think I'd like to add that um, because I think there are, you know, here we've had this great conversation. I think there's a lot of opportunity for good conversations with women. And so that will be something that people can get their hands on. Okay. And um, where can people find you? You want them to follow you on Instagram? You'll probably be over 10,000 by the time this airs. (laughs) But just in case, get on over there and follow. You're at Rachel Balducci, right? I'm at Rachel Balducci on Instagram. And then I have a website, rachelbalducci.com. So come say hi to me any of those places. Awesome. We will have all of those linked up in the show notes. Thank you so much for writing this book, Rachel. And thank you for your gift of friendship. Thank you for having me here. All right. We've got more of the show coming up for you. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz. And we know, right, as disciples of Jesus, we need to be encountering God's word on a regular basis. We need God's word to transform our minds, to move our hearts. And yet, if you're anything like me, sometimes you sit down to read the Bible and just you fall asleep or you get caught up in the names and the events. It can be a confusing set of books. We've created an answer. And the answer, we think, is the Catholic Bible in a Year podcast. It is produced by Ascension and hosted um, by me. For more information, you can go to ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a Year. 
Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback. And if you want to send feedback to me, or if you want to send a question to me to answer in this segment of the show, you can always email me danielle at daniellebean.com or send me a voice memo. I would love it if you would record your voice asking your question or sharing your feedback or your input, and then email it to me at that address. Or You can also connect with me on Voxer if you're on Voxer. The link to connect with me there is always in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com. All right, this week I heard from Emily, who's a girlfriend's listener, and she asked, are cry rooms bad? I have a friend who always talks disdainfully about the cry room at our parish, but I kind of like it in there. I'm much less stressed about my kids' behavior, and then I'm more able to focus on the mass. Is that a bad thing, Emily? Okay. This is a hot topic, I guess, among Catholic families. This is not going away. So first of all, is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Nope, nope, nope. That is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. And I just want to encourage you, Emily, don't don't feel like you have to be a certain way or have a certain attitude about anything like cry rooms, you know, feeling pressured by your friend's attitude. And I'm sorry that your friend has that attitude. I can share with you that maybe part of where she's coming from is, you know, um, liking to have her children fully engaged in the mass, uh, feeling like they belong there, feeling like families shouldn't have to feel pressured to be segregated. And, you know, I don't know what your parish culture is like. And I, so I don't know what your friend might be experiencing. It might be worth just asking her about, you know, in an open way. I, I don't know if, how close you are with her and if you might be hurt by what she might say, but you might, you might just ask what her perspective is on that. But I know that that's some of the reasons why people think cry rooms are a bad idea is because then perhaps families feel pressured to be in there. Or then people expect that the moment your baby makes the tiniest noise that you're going to run into the cry room and it's not a great fit for everybody. Or some people think it's too chaotic in there. And of course, this varies by the parish and different parishes have different kinds of setups for cry rooms. Some have no cry room, you know, so but it sounds like you have one and it's working for you. I think that's great. Hang out in there. You know, until you don't want to. And, you know, this really is, this really speaks to a larger point of that when it comes to all of these different things, there's sometimes a lot of pressure on young families, especially. I think, especially when you're a young mom or a new mom, that there's pressure to do things a certain way and have certain attitudes about things. I I just, I so vividly remember this kind of pressure. You know, years ago when Dan and I were, um, I don't know. It was probably about 10 years into our marriage. And so we had a mess of little kids at the time. And there was like a family mass, a smaller mass that we would sometimes attend that had a lot of these like very hardcore Catholic families at it, right? Homeschoolers. And and so there was a lot of pressure surrounding that weekly event of showing up at this mass. I just remember there was pressure. I felt pressure about what we would wear, what we would look like, how my kids would behave when we were there. And I didn't even really fully consciously understand the kind of pressure I felt going to this event each week with my little kids until there was one time where there were other things going on in my life and there was a lot of stress going on and I felt like I could not pull it together for that mass properly and was really struggling and really struggling when I showed up with the kids there and just I felt like a mess. And by the time it came time for communion, 
I was just like wanting to cry and I felt like I couldn't present myself for communion. I was just this emotional wreck. And it partly had to do with the pressures I felt in that in that community at the time, but it was other things going on as well. And that really was sort of a breaking point for me where I was like, is this a good thing? <laughs> is this a good thing for us? Of course, going to mass is a good thing, but was it good for me to be feeling that kind of pressure? And why was I feeling that kind of pressure? It, some of it may have been coming from some of those other families. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but a lot of it, I had to admit, was coming from myself. I was putting this pressure on myself and kind of buying into this lie, which is a temptation from the enemy. Let me tell you, it is a temptation from the enemy to make you feel like you have to look a certain way or meet a certain standard in order to, quote unquote, be a good Catholic family, to be a good Catholic wife, to be a good Catholic mom. You know, fill in the blank with whatever the details are. You know, Emily's asking about cry rooms, but it could be about bottle feeding versus breastfeeding or homeschooling versus Catholic school versus public school or where you live or what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothes you wear or how you feed your kids, like all of these things. There's so much pressure. And so I just want to encourage anybody in that place, including you, Emily, to know that what you need to do is discern what's best for your family, what works for you. Do what works for you. And, you know, the only people you need to be consulting about that are your husband, potentially your kids, and God. Like, those are, those are the people you need to answer to with regard to these things. And no, I'm not talking about things that are explicitly spelled out in church teaching that are right or wrong, but those are actually very few things when it comes to the, the variations that are available to you inside of Catholic family living, that, you know, some of these things are, are not changeable, but read what the church teaches about these things, and there are so many things that the church in her wisdom is silent about because that can vary from person to person, from family to family. And for sure, whether or not to use a cry room fits into that category. So I want to encourage you, Emily, you're doing a great job and you keep on using that cry room as long as it is working for you. It sounds like it's a good tool for you at this stage in your family life. So go for it. And if you are so inclined, I would encourage you to have that conversation with your friend, not in a confrontational way, but just in explaining your own point of view and, and wanting to learn from her point of view. The more we can do that, I think the better off we'll all be. So Good job, Emily, and thank you for your email. If you want to email me to take up your question in this segment of the show, please send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. That's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here for today's episode. Always a joy to connect with you here. And if you enjoy the Girlfriends podcast, would you share it with a friend? Would you consider doing that? A great way you can do it is by leaving a rating and review at iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. But another way you can do that is just by sending the link to a friend or posting on social media, sharing that you enjoy the podcast and that you think others might too. It's a great way for us to grow our community of listeners right here at Girlfriends. Thank you so much for considering doing that. And thank you for being part of today's show. I love connecting with you here. I am grateful for the opportunity to share with you right here on the podcast every week. I do not take for granted the fact that you show up. That is such a gift to me. Thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.